hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each week we get together, we discuss the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion, and we broadcast live to 20 different radio stations across the country, including New York and Los Angeles. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. In a little bit, we'll get to the Republican side of our weekly look at the race for the White House 2016. But for now, we continue on the Democratic side, Leah, because they had their first Democratic debate, which was vastly different in so many ways than the first two Republican debates, mostly because the entire focus was not in trying to provoke fights between each of the candidates. In fact, as it's now famously uh, been said, and we discussed quite often in the first hour of the program, it was a love fest between Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. But one of the other candidates, Leah, I think is worthy of mention, not because he has any chance of being a factor in the race, but frankly, because he doesn't have any chance of being a factor in the race. And I'm referring to Jim Webb, the, yeah. the former senator from Virginia. And this, to me, was so remarkable and so emblematic of how dramatically the Democratic Party has shifted. It is a cray-cray home, that's it, for sure. It is unbelievable how quickly, in the age of Obama, I mean, we see it in two ways. One, how how progressive, in her own words, how progressive Hillary has become in eight years. You know, she went from a, from winning more votes than Obama did in 2008, being a semi, I wouldn't say conservative, but not loony liberal. And now, eight years later, with being a huge frontrunner, having no legitimate opposition, she is way further to the left. Yeah. And, and the proof of that is poor Jim Webb. Well, I don't like very much as a person, but okay, he would be considered, if there are any left, the quote-unquote conservative Democrat. Uh, he, you know, he's a guy who actually believes we have the right to have guns. And when asked the question, who is he's most proud of making an enemy of? He talked about a Viet Cong who he killed. Right. And on the Republican side, that would get <laughs> cheers. Way to go. Yes. Uh, absolutely. On the Democratic side, that eliminated any chance he has of getting any traction whatsoever. In fact, he got mocked for it on Saturday Night Live last night by Alec Baldwin playing him. Uh, It's unbelievable. These people really honestly have brain damage. There's no other way to look at it. It's brain damage. But, see, here's the problem. There's over 50% in a national presidential election that are philosophically wedded to their to their belief system we're a socialist country now and if you don't believe that then just take a look at the results of the 2012 election a a failed socialist president knocked the socks off of an outstanding though somewhat wimpy republican candidate mitt romney that oh he was evil 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 okay but Here's the most important thing politically about how Jim Webb is now totally out of step with the Democratic Party. And it goes to a massive misconception that people have about the nature of our politics. And this, I think, is one of the biggest problems on the on the conservative side and our misperceptions. You know, I'm always talking about how our side is delusional. Here's one of the reasons why our side is delusional. Because people my age and older, they remember Reagan, Right. And Reagan got things done. And Reagan, by the way, got things done 
during most of his presidency with a huge Democratic Congress. Correct. So, so people think, well, gee, if there was a Democratic Congress and we won a landslide in 1984, how did that happen? Well, here's how that happened. It wasn't really a Democratic Congress. By that, They were normal back then. Here's the key, and you're living in the middle of it. The Southern Democrats didn't realize they were Republicans yet. They, were, they didn't change philosophically. They just went, oh, the Democratic Party isn't what I believe in, and they've, they've shifted away from me. So it became okay to call yourself a Republican post-Reagan in the South. They didn't change their philosophy. So there were, I don't know what the exact number is, but there was at least 100 members of Congress who called themselves Democrats who were functioning Republicans. So that's one of the major misconceptions people have about the nature of our politics. There are no conservative Democrats left. And Uh -uh. Jim Webb is the perfect example of that. And here's how this plays in 2016, because I hear this all the time. Oh, well, certain candidates, like a Trump, can peel away conservative Democrats from Hillary. And my response is, there aren't any. It's 1% at best. They don't exist anymore. They're already voting for us in in both presidential and off-year elections. They might still call themselves Democrats because their dad and their granddad did, but they're not Democrats. And in in, in, Kentucky, where I used to to, uh, do a show on WHS in Louisville, to this day is one of the toughest states to poll. Because there are still a lot of people in Kentucky who call themselves Democrats, but they're actually very conservative. There's the blue dogs. Right. Well, they just don't want to call. There's still a stigma to calling themselves Republicans, even though they they haven't voted for a Democrat since JFK. So, I mean, that's the reality of the way the world has changed. And Jim Webb is the perfect example of that. Now, when we come back, um, we got to get to this Hillary Clinton um, (laughs) laughter over the issue of of her emails well <laughs> uh, and um, and and also the issue of Joe Biden because uh, th- things are getting really bizarre world here and we'll talk about it on the John and Leah show right here on the free speech broadcasting network Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. We continue our look at the race to the White House 2016 for this particular week. We started on the Democratic side because of their debate, uh, which uh, the media told us Hillary Clinton won. So I'm sure that must be true. Yeah, Uh, I'm saying with uh, great sarcasm because I actually think Bernie Sanders did uh, exactly what he needed to do for a first debate. I still think Hillary will be the nominee. Um, But what we saw this week was that Pope Obama and Bishop Sanders, Bishop Bernie, um, both did their best to absolve Hillary from her sins uh, in the email scandal. Yet Jake Tapper had the temerity to actually ask uh, the queen, Hillary, about this, and her response was 
quite remarkable. And if a Republican had ever responded like this, oh, it, they'd be done. It would be over instantaneously when you consider the fact that this subject is currently being investigated by the FBI um, and could be a massive security breach of national intelligence while she was Secretary of State. But Hillary, Hillary's response here is quite amazing. Uh, Leah, play that for us. I know Bernie Sanders said that, um, quote, the American people are sick and tired of hearing about your damn emails. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who are not. Well. <laughs> uh, including, including FBI officials looking into whether national security was compromised because of this server. There you go. Now, that laugh is so over the top. It, Saturday Night Live, if the character who plays Hillary had laughed like that in rehearsals, they would have told her, you know what, let's take it down one. Let, let's yeah. let's let's take it down a notch because it's it's too too much. You know, it's too much parody. That's the reality. That was actually Hillary Clinton in response to a very serious subject that is part of a massive, or I guess it is a massive investigation that yep. could result in theory in serious criminal charges. Well, but you know, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Bernie absolved her, and so now she can just laugh about it. See, but and the audience. That's right. We're so sick of hearing about it. Right. No. No. <laughs> On the Democratic side, you're right. Um, and in the long term, you're right. And see, I hope, Leah, and I know you haven't, at least not on this program, you haven't vehemently disagreed with me on this, but some people, uh, you know, who I, who I interact with on Twitter and, and Facebook have, that, that my basic premise of this entire process has been underestimate the difficulty in beating Hillary at your own peril. And I right. hope I hope this week proved to some people that I'm right. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that what we saw this week was a preview, a preview right. of coming attractions, which is Democrats are the only ones that are allowed to vet Democrats. Once she has passed this process, the news media is going to say these emails have been Benghazi. It's old news. It's a right-wing... Right-wing conspiracy. Exactly. I mean, and Republicans have already done plenty enough to give them enough fodder. We, Thank we, you. I mean, we saw the Benghazi thing has basically been discredited uh, by McCarthy's comments, even though it shouldn't have been, but that, those are the rules. We're not allowed to say anything like that. Because then it's, aha! See, this was all a part partisan witch hunt so that has been of all the things that i've been frustrated about and I've, there have been many number one has probably been this delusion on the part of conservatives that hillary will be easy to beat and i certainly hope anybody paying attention this week is at least somewhat disabused of that notion i want to do some very quick math leah I know people don't like math. This is not hard math. This is not common core, okay? This is basic math. It's amazing to me how everyone forgets about the math of winning a presidential election. Because Hillary Clinton is already deemed, and there's no question about this, already deemed to be of presidential timber, right? If she gets the nomination, she is she's long passed through that magical gate to where someone is eligible to be president in the eyes of the news media. So that's not a question. Somehow, because she was married to a president, but I guess. But that's all it takes when you're a Democrat, okay? But you, but no one's going to argue that, right? I mean, no one's going to argue that she's, quote-unquote, qualified to be president. That That is not an issue. So because she it would be deemed to be qualified, and because the news media would be behind her, and obviously all of the Democratic Party would be behind her, she is guaranteed, guaranteed, barring indictment, 
217 electoral college votes. That's the number of votes that Al Gore would get, John Kerry would get. Hell, Jerry Sandusky might get a, a big portion of that, uh, 217, if the Democratic Party decided to stick by him as their nominee. Uh, so there's 217. You only need 270 to right. get elected. All right? That mean, and, and, and so here's all Hillary has to do. All she has to do to get the 270-plus is win Florida, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. Now, the, now Virginia those, is easy well, now. Uh, Virginia is almost impossible for Republicans to win because of Northern yeah. Virginia. Not impossible because Hillary is a terrible candidate, but nearly impossible. Pennsylvania is nearly impossible. Florida, unless you got Rubio on the ticket, or heaven forbid Jeb Bush, in which case it doesn't matter, <laughs> Florida is going to be really tough. Not impossible. I think we would probably win Florida. But here's the biggest problem. Let's say you pick off one of those, which would be a a huge, huge deal as the Republican candidate to win Florida, Pennsylvania, or Virginia. And so she doesn't quite get to 279 yet. She's still got Wisconsin, Iowa, Colorado, Nevada, and New Hampshire. Those are worth 35 electoral college votes. Let's say, let's say we somehow won Florida and Virginia, which would be awesome. A miracle. All right, we win Florida and Virginia. That is awesome. But we don't win Pennsylvania. Guess what that means? All Hillary has to do among Wisconsin, Iowa, Colorado, Nevada, New Hampshire, which are worth 35 electoral college votes as a bulk. Those five states, she's only got to win 11 votes. She's only got to win 11 if, if we don't win Pennsylvania. And, and that's assuming we win Ohio, which is we lost the last two times. Yeah. I mean, the, the math is horrific. I, I don't care that she well, – I care, but it's not enough that she's a terrible candidate. You've got to – you've got – this is a card game, all right? You've got to beat her hand. we got to have a royal flush for all intents and purposes. We can't make any mistakes. I mean, the, the, and, and, you know, that's why I believe that Scott Walker was the best candidate, because he changed the Electoral College map. But that was too highbrow, I guess. That was too 19th or maybe 20th century uh, for, for this, you know, highly evolved 21st century Republican Party that sees Donald Trump as magic man. Um, that's the reality of it. So um, it's, it's, ex- it's exceedingly frustrating to me because it's so obviously. Is it not obvious? I mean, the math is so clear. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I I think people are still wondering about Joe Biden. Well, let's talk about Joe Biden, because, um, you know, I am somebody who likes to believe in the best in people, even though I'm a cynic and I am really cynical and I don't like human beings. I, I think homo sapiens are an awful species. They're becoming more awful. But yet I give every individual homo sapien a little bit of that benefit of the doubt. Until they prove me wrong, and then look out, you're dead to me. Um, I, have ne- <laughs> I have now concluded that Joe Biden is— Is he dead in- to you? He, well, I've never really liked him, but this whole business about my dead son and all that, this is all manipulation, folks. Yep. It is all political manipulation of the very worst kind, and we'll talk about it when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back to the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And some in the Democratic Party are holding out for a hero named Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just about as funny a line as I can come up with without even trying to be funny. Um, Nobody messes with Joe. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, CNN was clearly holding out for a hero to save them from a Trumpless debate uh, this week. And, you know, CNN, it's amazing what a joke they have become. I know. They, they are a complete and total 100% joke. They lurch after any blip they possibly can, whether it's real, imaginative, figurative, literal, or, or not even, usually not literal. Um, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And now they've actually gone into the realm of fictitious, speculative fantasy news. And that's what they did with regard to the notion that Joe Biden might just show up for the debate <laughs> in Las Vegas. You think hey I'm- guys, hey, oh, uh, there's my there's my uh, my little uh, podium over there. Right. They kept the podium for him and uh, they made a this wasn't just like a one offhand. I could get I get if you're trying to fill 24 hours a day, somebody makes a joke, you know, offhand about Joe Biden, hey, let's save a podium for him or you know, maybe he could just show up. But that's not what happened. And Stephen Colbert, uh, whose uh, late night show now airs on CBS, where um, David Letterman's used to be, did a, a very funny bit using actual real CNN clips regarding uh, how they handled this issue of Joe Biden potentially just coming in to save them from a Trumpless, ratingsless uh, Democratic debate. And here's what that sounded like earlier this week. And you can imagine how exciting it would be if Biden did appear at the last second. Well, you know what? You don't have to. Because CNN's Jim Acosta imagines news for you. Vice President Joe Biden will he or won't he? Will the Air Force Two suddenly uh, start flying this way, start flying westward toward Las Vegas on Tuesday night? A dramatic landing at McCarran International Airport. The speeding motorcade over to the Wynn Hotel. Biden with the aviator glasses uh, put on. I can see a situation, John, where he pulls in that yellow Corvette with the aviators on and just says, let's do this thing. Uh, It'll be fun to watch. It'd be fascinating political television if the vice president decides to join in. That would be fascinating. (laughs) It would be fascinating political television. And it's a great new strategy for cable news, describing things more compelling than what you're watching now. (laughs) CNN, it could get interesting. (laughs) You know, that's hilarious, but it's actually... 100% true now. That's what cable news, especially CNN, has become. The reality and truth is just not interesting enough on a 24-7 basis to keep an audience large enough to sustain the network. So they got to make crap up. And that's what, and they, by the way, they do this on a daily basis, and they oh, yeah. and they do it knowingly. But that's just the most. I mean, that, it usually doesn't get that obvious, where somebody on scene at a major news event is just making crap up. There's not <laughs> there's not even a rumor, not even a rumor that that might have happened. Forget about how illogical it would have been. Suddenly, his plane would head this way. <laughs> Let's Would, do this. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> It would be so awesome. It is aviators. It is aviators. <laughs> oh, that's the that is the best part of the whole. In fact, you can't obviously since this is radio, you can't see it. But when he was re- referencing the aviator glasses, he actually had his hands up to his face, yep. mimicking the aviator glasses. <laughs> <laughs> just... What a bunch of idiots! Oh. Idiots.
right. So as I mentioned in the last segment, I have now been completely convinced that mm-hmm. Joe Biden is no longer doing this. Oh, woe is me. Uh, my son died, and I just don't know if I have the energy the emotionally to make a run of this. I, I bought into that, at least partially, for a while. That shelf life has ended. Right? Yeah. If, if that was the case, a decision would have been made by now, and we clearly would not have had the leak last week of, oh, by the way, it was Biden who gave that story to Maureen Dowd, who wrote about mm-hmm. it, that his son on his deathbed had, had said, Dad, go run for president. And, oh, by the way, we wouldn't hear reports that this, the details of that alleged event have changed significantly, like when it oh, happened, where it happened. I didn't happened. know that. Oh, you didn't know that? Uh-uh, no. No, no, no. no, no. That was part of the report last week, that, which I thought was the most important part, because— and again, who knows? Because these are unnamed sources. But they, but Maureen Dow did not push back, which she would have if this was totally false. So, right. so, so the, but the the report was that Biden has told the my son on his deathbed story to different people with different details, timings, and settings, Uh-oh. which to, to me says bullcrap. It yep. didn't really happen that way, and uh, and and I I think last week I actually referenced this is this is all the makings of a Brian Williams story where there maybe is a grain of truth to it, like he and Bo had a conversation about running for president, and it was near when he died. But other than that, that's not nothing else like that happened. I mean, because um, let's face it. There's no one in the world that knows how incompetent Joe Biden is than his family. Right. Who would be pushing him besides his wife to run? I mean, let's be serious. If you're about to die, right? If you're about to die, what's no skin off your nose? I mean, go ahead. Maybe he said... Dad, please don't. <laughs> yeah, but it's not going to hurt him. He's going to be he's, if he's on his deathbed, he's going to be dead. It does. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, folks. I mean, this is we shouldn't be kidding about this. Even though uh, even, this is going too far. We don't think it happened. Right. Well, that's true. I, I don't think the whole thing happened. Um, it's got all this the makings of a bullcrap narrative. But here's why it's important. Because what Biden is really doing is. He's manipulatively trying to figure out whether there's an opening or not. And it seems to me as if if there was an opening, which in the polling, absolutely you can see that. I mean, Biden does much better just this week, much better against every single Republican than Hillary does. Now, there are reasons for that. As soon as he gets in to the race, things change. Um, so I don't think he would survive that long with those numbers. But but if you're delusional, like Joe Biden is, you can look at those numbers and go, hey, I can do this. Right, guys? Um, now, it was interesting to see what Obama had to say on 60 Minutes last Sunday. Because, uh, now tell me if I'm wrong about this, Leah. Maybe I'm being even too cynical for John Ziegler. But uh, they asked Ob- Obama about Biden's run. And he was very noncommittal. He's very complimentary of Joe. You know, best vice president ever, you know, but, you know, basically, you know, Joe's got to make his own decision and certainly didn't come anywhere near urging him to run. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. When I was watching this, I got the sensation that I was watching a parent explain why their special needs son is not going to be trying out for quarterback for the high school football team. Listen, that's exactly right. 
I mean, even as incompetent as Obama is, he knows that Joe Biden is just the worst possible president. Right. But if you had a special needs son who, who was making you know rumblings about trying out for the high school football team, you'd compliment him and say, but maybe, Joe, this isn't the right thing for you necessarily. Right. Because you want to protect the poor kid. Right. You, you don't want him to embarrass himself. And, and you clearly know, as you just referenced, you clearly know how bad it would get if oh, Joe yeah. Biden actually ran. And and it would get bad for him because I, I am convinced that, again, barring indictment by Hillary, which isn't going to happen because Obama has already said it's not, you know, he's already put out the word uh, that it's not going to happen, that there was no national security breach in the emails. So barring something dramatic like that, I don't think Biden beats Hillary. And therefore, he at this point, he looks horrible if he gets in because the only way it works is if he's the white knight yeah if he's coming to save the team save the day joe but there's no especially after this debate where we were all told by the news media that hillary won so it must be true she looked very strong so it must be true there's no outcry at least not large enough outcry uh even from the media for him to be the white knight so if he's not the white knight and he comes in late to the party and he gets creamed he looks awful. And um, and so but I've always said with Biden, you can't predict because he's delusional. He, he Oh, yeah. So he definitely is tone deaf. He, he has not a clue what's happening. No, no idea. He has no idea um, you know, what the reality of the situation is. And he is the vice president. So people inherently are going to naturally tell him what he wants to hear. Right. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. all these famous people are in bubbles, but but especially somebody like Biden, who's vice president and delusional. You're in a special kind of bubble. <laughs> you are in a bubble where nobody tells you anything negative at all. Um, and, and, and frankly, that to me, what Obama did on 60 Minutes was kind of like trying to be the nice guy inside the bubble. Because right. because what he didn't say, what see if if Obama really thought it was a good idea, he would have said, you know, I think this race needs more voices, right? Uh-huh. He could have easily said that. There would have been some people would have raised their eyebrow and said, oh, really? So Hillary's not enough of a voice? But that would have been acceptable. The, the Democrats wouldn't have gone crazy over that because there's only a couple people in the race, and you know, a couple of them are terrible candidates. So. That would have been perfectly logical and plausible. He didn't say that. Oftentimes, what people don't say and don't do is more important than what they do. And the lack of anything close to an endorsement by Obama of Biden on 60 Minutes spoke volumes to me. Um, So it's just a matter of whether or not the special needs kid is going to get the message on his own. And I don't know whether he is or not. Because he's special. Joe, the podium's waiting. Yeah. Come on, Joe. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, please. Because I, I think it would be awesome theater. I mean, just like CNN was. It would was. be. Uh, I wish, it, I wish it, ha- it would happen, but my, my gut tells me it probably will not because it would bis- just be too good. All right. Uh, when we come back, well, let's get to the Republican side and uh, the ensuing uh, and continuing Trump sanity on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. 
Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every of the 20 over-the-air radio stations on which this program is broadcast on a weekly basis, Sunday nights, live. We still have a little bit over an hour to go in this program and tons to get to, including the Republican side of the race to the White House 2016. And, um, Leah, there may be no uh, better indication of what a bizarro world we now live in and just how quickly we have entered this bizarro world than what happened over the last couple of days involving Donald Trump and Jeb Bush over the issue of 9-11. Could you have imagined, Leah, if I had told you back when we were on KFI in Los Angeles about eight, nine years ago, that in, that in 2016 election, that Jeb Bush and the front runner who was crushing Jeb Bush, Donald Trump, <laughs> would be arguing over whether or not George W. Bush was responsible for 9-11 and most conservatives would seemingly side with Donald Trump. What would you have said if I had yeah, told you I, that? I would, I would have said, hey, he's a truther. Well, some people are claiming that that's what Trump did. I, I'd actually disagree with that. See, I think what I think this whole thing started by accident. Uh, I watched the clip of where Trump says uh, that, you know, look, George W. was president well, when 9-11 happened. And, and therefore, you know, there's got to be some responsibility there. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But the question had nothing really to do with this subject. I think this was one of those situations where something just popped into Trump's head and he said it. In fact, let's play part of the clip because there's a there's to me there's a couple elements of this clip that are key. But here's here's part of the the, the clip that created uh, so much news coverage over the last couple of days of Donald Trump. The first time uh, he references George W. Bush being potentially partially responsible for 9-11. Help us understand who Donald Trump is as a man. I need to know that you will make us feel safe and you will make us feel proud. I think I have a bigger heart than all of them. I think I'm much more competent than all of them. When you talk about George Bush, I mean, say what you want. The World Trade Center came down during his time. Uh, if you look Hold at on, Sandy that, Hook, you can't blame George Bush well, for that. He was president, okay? Don't blame him or don't blame him, but he was president. The World Trade Center came down during his reign. Now, first thing, Leah, memo to Donald Trump. The United States of America is still technically a democratic republic. Our presidents don't have reigns. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Donald Trump is under the misconception. Well, he is a king. Right. He, he's under the misconception he's running for monarch <laughs> under, under his reign, under the reign of George W. Bush. 9-11 occurred. That, to me, was was scary and also funny. Uh, but he, but here's the but do you understand what I'm saying? I think he didn't really intend to make this an issue. The subject really had nothing to do with this. Well, but, she said that you'll keep us safe, and Donald Trump can't get the Jeb Bush, our my brother, kept us safe when he kind of embarrassed him right. at that at the uh, debate. So that's always been in the back of his mind. So he's been oh, she said safe. I can bring it out now. <laughs> I I think that's probably a large part of what happened. That's the way Trump's brain works oh yeah but here's the fascinating part to me so on the substance this this reminds me very much of what happened in that second debate where he and jeb got into it over this issue of whether or not uh trump had asked for jeb's help on the issue of getting gambling (laughs) in florida remember this yes oh yes And, and i have no idea what the details are i actually believe that jeb was probably telling the truth and trump was lying 
Oh, yeah. No, Trump definitely did ask for his help. Okay, but in the debate, Trump still cleaned Jeb's clock because right. he didn't back down and he relied on luck. If I had wanted it, I would have gotten it because I'm Trump. <laughs> and people love that and they buy it because he's magic. Trump is magic. So it's similar in that on the on the substance, obviously, Jeb is right here. 9-11 was not George W. Bush's fault. If it was any president's fault, it was far more Bill Clinton's. I did a movie about this uh, called Blocking the Path 9-11. You can check it out at blockingthepath.com. It's about the censorship of the greatest movie ever made about 9-11, the path to 9-11. And um, and that you know goes after both Bush and Clinton, but very much about Clinton not taking his opportunity to take out Osama bin Laden when he had numerous chances to do so. So if you yeah. want to blame a president, uh, it's far easier logically and within the facts to blame Clinton than Bush. So on the on the, the substance, Jeb is 100% right. However, on the politics of this, this is the genius, and I use that term in quotations. <laughs> yeah, This is the genius of Donald Trump. He says something by accident that is factually inaccurate, and he still ends up winning the bout. And the reason why he wins the bout with Jeb is partially because Jeb is so inept. Um, but here's why he wins. He uses it to tout his tough immigration stance. Correct. Saying, hey, look, if I was president, those people never get in this country. Right. Wh- which may or may not be true, but at least to his people, that sounds good. <laughs> but but here's the other part that's amazing. He forces Jeb to not only talk about the noose around his neck, which is his brother, but the worst moment of his brother's presidency. Right. And, and so that's a win. And it's and it's a it's a win for Trump. And it's a win for Trump on another level, because once again, who's the alpha and who's the beta? Trump makes the attack. Bush whines. Trump knocks him out. Cold on the on the on the on the rebound um, on the counterpunch. That to me, it's amazing. It is a it's amazing that Trump is able to pull this off on an issue which, to you and me, for years was maybe the most important issue there was. That's right. I mean, we we are in the top 0.1 percent. I mean, I made a movie about it. You probably feel more strongly about it than I do. This issue of of 9-11, how it changed the country or should have changed the country, our response to it, all of that. We are – this is a huge issue to us, and neither one of us, I, I'm perceiving, correct me if I'm wrong, has any real anger towards Trump for doing this. No, not really. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing! You know, and I was wondering if he might pick up some Bush haters. Well, that's – I agree with – it. also, I think there'll be a few truthers, uh, for lack of a better term – that gravitate more towards Trump now, um, because and there are Bush haters out there. So mm-hmm. I don't think this hurts Trump in a as, as bizarre as it is, because if you four or five years ago this would have been death in a Republican primary, death. I mean, he, he would never recover from this. You just blame George W. Bush partially for 9/11, but for some reason. Uh, it's this is the magic this is the magic i'm relying on this is the magic of trump that i have been slow to warm to but now i am embracing because <laughs> now i realize 
He is the magic man. That there's no way this magic is going to run out in the next uh, 12 months or less than 12 months. About almost a little more than 12 months. It's now. Ne- it's not. Gosh, it's never, hurry up. It's never going to run out. This magic, the magic of Donald Trump, and clearly uh, Hillary Clinton will fall under his spell, and the news media is not going to, you know, be able to destroy him at all uh, if and when he's the nominee. By the way, uh, there's a chance he might be the nominee, and I'm not the only one that's starting to believe that. Chris Wallace on Fox News Channel today said he now thinks that Donald Trump may be president of the United States. This is getting serious. He folks. said president? Yes! I'll talk we'll talk about this when we come back on the John Leah <laughs> Show and the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.